This is Chris, your friendly neighborhood managing editor and podcast host. I just wanted to give you a heads up that I had some issues with my microphone in this episode, which you'll definitely be able to hear. I've got a new one on the way, but given the time-sensitive nature of the subject of this episode, I fixed what I could and we're going ahead and releasing it, so I apologize in advance for the various clicks in my speaking that you are going to have to suffer through. Love getting your Legend of the Five Rings podcast fix? Head to patreon.com slash strangeassembly to find out how you can support the show. This is Strange Assembly episode 179, FFG Loves L5R. Wow, so holy cow, Jay. Wow. I know, still in shock. Did not see this coming. No, the whole, you know, switching to a an LCG-like format, certainly been discussed amongst the community. Right, talked about for years and years now, and did not think it was going to happen that way. No, did not think it was going to actually be an LCG. Well, I mean... You, you got the the feeling that Doomtown was sort of them testing the AG testing the waters to see if they could do an, an EC, ECG and it seemed to be going well so yeah I'm, I'm not surprised by the it's going to be an LCG bit of this well I mean the literally an LCG part yes I'm Chris Stevenson and that's Jay Earl hello And this is Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can check us out at strangeassembly.com or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. As you've probably guessed, unless you uh, have not been on the L5R internet in the last two days, uh, we are talking about what I I described as what the, the biggest gaming news of the year, probably for a while. Yeah. AEG selling L5R. Biggest thing since, what, the last time AEG bought L5R? Yes. (laughs) Probably. Yeah, so if you haven't read this yet, Fantasy Flight Games has bought the entire Legend of the Five Rings brand from Alderac. Evil Portents is going to be the last Legend of the Five Rings CCG expansion. The Atlas of Rokugan is going to be the last Legend of the Five Rings RPG book for now. And Fantasy Flight will be launching a Legend of the Five Rings living card game at Gen Con 2017, which I should just send an email out right now to everyone in my family, right? Do not get married on this weekend, because I will not come. (laughs) No, Chris's family do get married so that I can go. Oh, with the press pass? With the press pass, yes. Ah. <laughs> uh, you could still go, even if you don't have a press credential, Jay. It's just not the same. <laughs> I don't feel special. Uh. <laughs> Fantasy Flight does own the whole brand, so that would include any possible future RPG or non-card game games, but nothing of that sort has been announced yet, so... Right, I mean, they just they just announced that they've got it. I'm sure sometime in the next, probably either next year or the year after the in-flight report, they'll be like, here are all of the things we're going to do with this. I would not be surprised to see them take the brand and expand it out. Obviously, if it does poorly, that won't happen, but they're very good at, at leveraging brands, even stuff that's not huge name things like Star Wars or Warhammer 40k, you still see you know, Android spread out through some of their games, or you see Terranoth, the, the Runebound world, spread out through things, so we could just see L5R generic games. Right, we'll, we'll see an L5R board game all on the Android board game, so we can torment Mike with that for a while. Yeah, I'll get to play that someday. Allegedly. Yeah, it's it's a little hard, especially since I can't do it with you guys, since Mike absolutely won't. 
Mm. And my, my other gaming group usually doesn't start until like 7.30 at night, which is a hard right. time to start playing Android. Right, because you have something to do the next week. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to give any gut responses first, or do we want to present what facts we know? Go either way. I mean, there's there's not a whole lot of facts on the ground other than they bought the license, at least not that I've seen. The, the other facts that you would not know from the announcement, at least to me, the biggest thing, is, the, the biggest initial thing is, who, if anyone, from the current Legend of the Five Rings people are going over to Fantasy Flight. And as of right now, the answer to that is that, as far as we know, nobody. Right. So we know that Brian Reese, the Legend of the Five Rings lead designer, is going to stay at Alderac and work on other games. We know that Dave Lattero, he is staying at AEG. And those are the basically the only people who are staying at AEG. The guys who were freelancers, Aki, the communications director for L5R, Dan Deneen, the events manager, they are not staying with AEG and none of the RPG guys because AEG just doesn't have any other right. product for them to They don't need those do. positions anymore. They're presumably going to be basically a board game company now. Yes, yes. Now, will those people end up at Fantasy Flight in any way? I don't know. I My guess is that many of them would like to. But if anybody at, at FFG asks, you should definitely tell them that they should pick up spooky Robert Denton's yes. Legend of the Five Rings novel. There's no reason not to do that, really, because Fantasy Flight does publish novels. So that they should definitely pick up. There's other things that we kind of some of it that we knew about, some of them that we some of it that we kind of knew about, some of that we didn't that I think are, are relevant in evaluating this decision. And that's sort of what the future of L5R would have been at AEG. Like, as of right now, Atlas of Roku Game will be the last L5R RPG product until Fantasy Flight decides what to do with it. But it turns out that that was actually the case at AEG, too. Atlas of Roku Game was going to be the last Legend of the Five Rings 4th edition book. And there may or may not have been a 5th edition of the game. So that's their AEG is basically going to be making a, a similar sort of decision that Fantasy Flight will be making now, is do we launch a new edition of this? I think that they will. And, and there's also, I, I think it's relevant to talk about what AEG was going to have to do with L5R, because people who follow L5R closely know that the game was not doing financially as well as it used to be. I think during Emperor Edition, there was a big downturn in the game's sales. And so that's one of the reasons why there was a big revamp for Ivory Edition. That did not succeed in recovering the player base in the way that they had hoped that it would. It didn't go down, I don't think. I think for all of the fetching from certain segments of the longtime player community about the Ivory Edition changes, I don't think that it was a negative, but it didn't help in the way they had hoped it would, and it was probably the right sort of thing to do. Sometimes the biggest the biggest threat to whatever it is that you're doing is never changing. So, that has to happen. And that will happen even more so with Fantasy Flight. Like, when Fantasy Flight launches the Legend of the Five Rings living card game in 2017, it is not going to be exactly the same game. They're going to do what they need to do to be different without being shackled to the the current format of things. Right. I mean, as, as has been pointed out, it's it is a it's hard a twenty year old game that just game design has changed drastically in two decades. That there's just so many different styles of resource management and so forth that it'll be very interesting to see what comes out. There's already, I've seen a lot of discussion talking about what do people want? What, 
what are the quote-unquote core concepts of L5R that they need to keep in some fashion or another versus what are more malleable things that can come and go as they need. Yeah, and, and so if you want to know where people are discussing this, right now the AEG forums are shut down. Mm-hmm. Those will come back online, but I think AEG is pretty much a hard stop. Like We're going to see Kote, Kote season will play out. The information from Kote season will be passed on to Fantasy Flight, and that's really it. They may, AEG may release PDFs of Blackest Storm and Onyx Edition because those are done, basically. Those are off at the printer, so those PDFs may be released. I guess it'll really be up to Fantasy Flight. They would get a veto over that if they, they didn't want that for some reason, but, but it's not like there's going to be an effort by AEG to continue to vaguely support the community like they might if the game was just going away because it's going to another company, right? This is Fantasy Flight's baby now. But those will come back. They were just kind of down so people didn't baz and... Sky is falling and, yeah. The Legend of the Five Rings Facebook group is still there and is not going to go away. Uh, That wasn't run by the company, so that'll stay there. And there is already a a Legend of the Five Rings sub-forum on the Living Card Games forum on the Fantasy Flight community. So there is still an L5R forum where you can go talk. It's even less unhinged from reality than it usually is, because we, as will this entire episode be from this point on, basically, because I, I think I've basically covered almost everything that's... Everything that we actually know, yeah. Almost, you know, you can still go talk about that on, on the Fantasy Flight forums, and that's, I think, where some of the conversation that Jay is... Yeah, that's what that's what I've been watching, yeah. Yeah, but let's see, the other facts, before we get to the sort of interesting discussion about what to do with L5R is, I mentioned what the future of the RPG would have been at AEG, which is uncertain. So, but Dave, the brand manager, has, has now basically said that something like this was probably going to happen to L5R anyway, that AEG internally had basically already decided that L5R was not sustainable as a CCG. And so, like you were talking about, Jay, they already had Doomtown, they already had the ECG model, Doomtown is still going to continue, and so probably, I I think, L5R was finally going to end up as, as an ECG. And I think that's a an important point here is that Fantasy Flight wanted L5R. I know that there are people who are upset about L5R being sold and it's a bummer that the game's going to be on hiatus for almost two years. But I think that that's something important is that, that Fantasy Flight came to Alderac and said, hey, we want this. This thing that you have, we want it. This was not AEG dumping it off on some fly-by-night company that is maybe going to half-do it, or I don't know, whatever happened with Warlord, basically. This is one of the industry behemoths saying, we want this intellectual property. We believe in Legend of the Five Rings. Not as a CCG, because that's not how the world works anymore. But (laughs) I mean, yeah... I don't expect to ever get it, but I think it would be very interesting to learn how all of this came about, what all the details are. Well, we don't have details, but we do have some indication, because I guess there were enough questions going around Mm -hmm. at Gen Con that people were asking Brian Reese, about the, the future of L5R, and so one of the things he wanted to make sure to point out after this was announced, that all those people who I told that L5R, that, that AEG was going to continue doing L5R, this had not happened yet. Like, this, right. it was, I think it was almost immediately after Gen Con that Fantasy Flight came to, to AEG and said, hey, we want to do this. So... The transaction happened after Gen Con, and this is Brian writing. We had plans to shake up L5R at Gen Con and change what Onyx Edition was going to look like. This is why Chris Medico's speech was pulled from the 20th anniversary party. It was decided shortly before Gen Con that this change was happening, and we and so this change would be the sort of thing where not not the sale to Fantasy Flight, but something like what we were talking about, where L5R stops being a CCG, right. uh, but is still staying with Alderac. 
It was decided shortly before Gen Con that this change was happening, and we didn't want to discuss an Onyx edition we knew would not be taking place in that form. The timing was unfortunate, but we made the best of the situation. Now, some people thought this meant that L5R was being sold, but I assured people I talked to that in fact L5R was staying with AEG because there were zero plans for it to go anywhere. Post-Gen Con, AEG was approached about this deal, and here we are today. So that's the facts. I think that is the totality of all the facts that we know. And now I will cede the floor to you for reaction shots. Okay, I mean, sort of as uh, as I've said a few times in private, I mean, this is this is a game that I've been doing. I don't know about you, but I've been doing this for basically my adult life for a decade and a half. I started in gold, and so yeah, it's kind of I I I'm definitely still in that place where I don't know how I feel about this. That it's it's very weird. It's it's like your parents are getting divorced, kind of almost. That you're you're not. I mean, you're hopeful, but you're fearful. And on the whole, I think I'm excited. And it, it's. I mean, there's been all this, you know, for years, all this mystery about how is it doing and how is it gonna be, and all the all the people saying, oh, it should be an LCG. So it is good to finally have some a decision on that and some closure, but it's also did not expect it to jump over to FFG. One of the biggest things too is, I mean, unlike FFG, they make a lot of good games, but as has been pointed out, this is, this is not a beast that they've dealt with before in the story. So, I mean, one of the things I'm most curious about is how much story interaction are they going to have? How much story in general are they going to have? So, hopefully, over the next year, they'll give us some amounts of information that we won't have to wait all the way till Gen Con 2017 to really know what this is going to look like, but, yeah. I guess there are several aspects to, to the reaction. My overall reaction is is positive mm. although there are a lot of swirling elements of that yeah i i've been playing l5r since not since the very beginning i was not i've not, not pre-imperial not imperial i my first stuff is my first base set would have been emerald and i had battle of Baden pass and i have some you know some things before that but my actual imperial edition is almost non-existent it like kind of came and went sometimes it was a casual thing sometimes i would go to tournaments when I got down here to Atlanta, which was unbelievably long time ago now, it's, it's I still don't really feel like I lived in Atlanta nine years or whatever it is. <laughs> I I started more heavily and consistently getting into it, so it yeah it's a a huge deal. I like I I said earlier biggest gaming news of the year and for me it, it is right. It's not and not just of this year, but for a long time a a, a big change like this in Legend of the Five Rings is really more significant than almost anything else that could happen gaming-wise. And I mean, not only do we play it, but we do this, right? We do this. We have been we have been doing this podcast for over five years now. <laughs> Jesus, have we? Wow. Our first episode, I believe, was in June of 2010. Wow. Okay. I feel old. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, this is, I mean, we'll see how much anyone else talks about it, but this is big gaming news, because this is, as as they like to say, other than Magic, this is the longest-running CCG that was not a licensed product. It's the only, other than Magic, non-licensed CCG that lasted. Yeah. Uh, Everything else, either, you know, if you're you're like Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh!, you've got that sort of tie-in, or you're flash in the pan realistically i mean there were there were a few things that stuck around for a couple of years and that was kind of it but th- this has been around a long time it's it's gotten it's a narrower segment of the market certainly than it, it used to be but it, it's still a big deal but it, so i mean let's let me talk about i guess the the, yeah, the possible negatives first the first one is is for the people 
you know, I mentioned up front who's staying, who's going, because right, a, a large part of L5R is is the people, and some of that's people like us and people playing at Cote's, but there are people who it was their job, or at least of a, a part-time job or something like that, for them to work with Legend of the Five Rings, and and that's going away. You know, somebody asked me. I feel kind of bad for all of the new story team members that they got earlier in the spring that they'd, I mean, I feel like they'd each only gotten maybe two, maybe three stories. And there were some pretty good stories that were starting to come out. And I was starting to get enthused about the story again after that long drought. And now who knows what those people get to do. I was going to say, I thought I was going to think that the big topic of discussion over the weekend was going to be the story team seemingly accidentally retconning dragon tattoos again. <laughs> right. But no. <laughs> you got overshadowed, sorry. Uh, yeah, so I, I think that's a negative. Somebody asked me yesterday in a, a, no, I mean, a, a group that I don't do L5R with, but they know that I this L5R is this big thing for me, and so I had <laughs> people messaging me about this and saying something. And one of the the things that I said was, well, that there are, you know, like, oh, I, I hope that Brian Reese gets carried over in some capacity. Cause I, like, well, he, he's, you know, he's been the lead designer for this. I know he knows people at Fantasy Flight. If people don't know it, uh, Steve Horvath, uh, like vice president of marketing at Fantasy Flight, I, I think is his title. He, for a brief time, was the Legend of the Five Rings brand manager. He owned a shop. So he was the guy who owned the store where Brian Reese learned how to play Legend of the Five Rings. And as uh, it, it's been suggested that uh, he bought, he, he arranged for a Fantasy Flight to buy L5R just to see how many times this could be mentioned. But let, let's point out again, he made top four at the first day of Thunder. So this is an old school L5R guy at Fantasy Flight who, mm-hmm. you know, we could presume was involved in this. So I, I was first one thing was like, oh well, hopefully they're you know Brian will be coming over, but we now know he's not. Not that Fantasy Flight does not have many many capable designers, but you know it would be nice to have you know some continuity, continuity there yeah. would be nice. And a lot of the the people who hold the the non gaming related people are people who aren't employees. I think Sean actually was an employee of some sort. I don't think any I don't think anybody else in the story team was. These were people who were, in no small part, paid in in free cards. Product, and, yeah. and, you know, quote unquote paid. Mm. So yeah, how how much is is that gonna go over? I I don't know. I mean, some of it. Like I think the the RPG folks are probably just out of luck. Yeah, I guess they'll have something of a leg up. If FFG starts looking for for freelancers for that sort of thing, but right, but I mean that that stuff, that all stuff is the stuff they already have. They already do RPGs. To me, the yeah. the one segment that they seem most likely to pull over is gonna be the story team, just because that's not they don't have an Android story team. They don't have a Star Wars story team. Yeah, and so that's so. yeah, that's the second potential negative is that is yeah, what happens to the story? Fantasy yeah. Flight does not support anything with the story like L5R does. Right, and hopefully this is an indication that they are interested in doing that, that that's one of the reasons that they bought this, is they're going to start doing that, at least here. I mean, who knows? Maybe this will be three years from now, there'll be an Android, there will be an Android story team, and there'll be, Netrunner will have storyline tournaments. Well, maybe, but I, I mean, the, <laughs> I think that they will continue to have it, and not in the same form. But and and I don't know if you you saw this, but the analogy I made was it's like bu- buying L5R and then ditching the interactive storyline element is like getting the Star Wars license and then not ever making Darth Vader anything with Darth Vader on it. Yeah, I, I saw that one. Yeah. I, like I you can. Good. But, but why? why? You, yeah. <laughs> no, no. We bought the Star Wars license because we really wanted to tell a story about the Athorians. Yeah, I know that's not really necessarily a fair analogy because once you've acquired the Star Wars license, it's free to just keep on using Darth Vader, whereas it requires a lot more going on to, to keep up the interaction. 
But that's always been the calling card of L5R, and so it would just be very strange to to pick that up and not want to continue that, especially since you're, just from a sales perspective, you're fantasy, one, Fantasy Flight brings an awful lot to the table as far as attracting attention and resources that AEG never could. But I would presume that Fantasy Flight is going to want to draw on positive buzz from the existing L5R community as they go into this release. Mm-hmm. And that seems like it would be hard to do if you're in, if you have this announcement of like interactive storyline is gone. I think that the interactive storyline is a big part of why L5R stayed around because that I mean, you, you didn't have the big intellectual property to get people into the game in the first place, but then that got people invested in the story in the world in a way that's hard to do when you're not bringing them over from movies or TV or books. I think that they will continue to have that. How are they going to do it? I don't know. EG itself has kind of bounced around with exactly how to do it. One of the, I feel like, perpetual problems that has plagued EG a bit is the brand team basically coming out with story prizes to be exciting. Right, and then they don't make sense for the story team, and the story team has to work them in somehow, yeah. Yeah, so I think we'll see less. I don't think we're going to see things like, oh, we want to have top of clan prizes for Gen Con, so everybody gets to make a Panku duplicate. There's no possibility <laughs> going to be able to tell story about these guys, That, but hey, there you go. I don't think that's going to be present. I, co- co- The tournament structure is going to be different, but Fantasy Flight does have a very robust tournament program, so they do. We just call them Kote, and, Kote instead of regionals, and it's going to be different because there's not going to be giant piles of packs. Sorry, there will be no more coming to the Atlanta Kote for two boxes per player of product. Uh, that's no. not, that's no. not how it works with an LCG. I think you could have storyline things with that, like attendance or votes. Fantasy Flight has actually already done that, obviously in a vastly more limited scale. They've had those tournament series with Netrunner, for example, where people voted on which runner they wanted to see printed, or which corp version they wanted to see printed. Right. So, that is still out there. But, you know, yeah, that's a big question. What are they going to do with that? The, The game... I actually have fewer questions about that. We know the game is going to change, but I have... That's something Fantasy Flight is good at. Right, yeah, exactly. I, I have a lot of faith in Fantasy Flight that we're, it's going to be a much improved game. Yeah, well, or even if it's just the same game, it's not like they're going to ruin it. True. And it's not going to be the same. I think it actually probably will end up being better because they get to slash have to reboot. And by rebooting, they can do what you were talking about and making more modern design decision Mm -hmm. and we could certainly talk about that but i guess and the the game itself from a from a play perspective i think is actually very good right now i think that emperor went off the rails i think and i still go back and lay a lot of blame for that on forgotten legacy which was not a card game which was not a card design decision it was a business decision a bad one in my opinion to jack up the power level on Forgotten Legacy to make sure it's sold. And I think that is is in no small part of what messed up Emperor Edition, uh, which was a very balanced format, actually, for most of the time, just one that was ludicrously over the top. And luckily, that's the thing that's not going to happen with an LCG. You don't have the direct-to-player sets that have to be up-powered to sell. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I think that's unfortunate. So it's, it's kind of weird. Well, I, I say all that, the I'm still overall positive because people have surely noticed, like, wait, we aren't just, right, we as a podcast aren't just L5R anymore. We as gamers spend less time on L5R than we used to and more time on, on other things. L5R shifting from a CCG to an LCG is really a lot more consistent with the way that we, at least certainly me, and I think you, Jay, consume games now i just oh yes it was at the beginning of this year or late last year when i finally 
personally clicked over to the okay, let's just make this an LCG now and and guess guess what it was that that triggered that. Uh, sending child to fancy school. No, no, no. That yeah, that that would make sense from the money thing. But no, it was actually so that it was it was sorting cards. Uh, I was yeah. sitting there with you know a couple of booster boxes. I'm opening these packs and just having these gigantic piles of commons that I now have to sort. And I know theoretically I could just like grab three of each and throw the rest of the way, but I'm not actually capable of doing that. <laughs> right, oh. and I and I'm just going like this is ridiculous. I am just sick of this. There's, I get from a business perspective the increased probability for a player of a CCG, but I I don't I don't draft L5R. I'm never going to draft L5R. Not on. I mean, not never, but like that's never going to be a thing that I regularly do. Which clearly was a thing that that they were hoping for, but that was pushed more at Gen Con this year, and may I add that I'm now double extra sad that I didn't get to go to the 20th anniversary party. But it was kind of clear that L5R was probably not, as a CCG, was not going to be what it used to be as far as market presence. That was probably not going to happen, and, and honestly, I have not I have not been happy over the course of this year with a number of things that have happened with uh, L5R on a brand level. The whole notion of the the paths and the votes on that, I think, was an absolutely amazing story. And I think that Dave's identification of the interactive element of the game as being the key thing that they has to push was spot on. But then there were lots of other things that were in there that I, I disagreed with about in the the way that some of the things were handled, some of the prices were right. done, and, and decisions that, as I've been saying more and more over the last year, there's a lot of things that in the past I would have said, like, oh, the story team sucks or whatever, and why, why the heck did Sean do this, whatever, that I have learned over the years are not actually decisions that the story team makes. Right, it's brand... Them. Yeah, and I think that was, and we were, again, I think starting to see some of that here, right? We had one brand manager who came up with an Onyx Edition storyline. We had another brand manager who came in who didn't like some of the ways of it and was so starting to change some things. And yet over the years, we've seen that be an issue where you have, like, the Race for the Throne. Well, that was pretty cool, but it, in order to do the Race for the Throne, they had to basically have a year with no story. Where, where all the story didn't matter because then they just killed everyone. Mm, yeah. So there's... It, it, to me, L5R's been doing some heavy soul-searching for the last year and a half, at least anyway, even after the, the mechanical reboot. Yeah, I mean, it's just that we've reached a point... I mean, yes, it is the longest-running CCG, but we are sort of winding down the the age of CCGs that... LCGs really are taking over and eating into CCGs. Not just financially, but just time and energy-wise. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that the, the... I think the age of the CCG has been passed for a while now. But yeah, the the clear viability of the concept of, of LCGs, or whatever you want to call them. So I, I think it's a positive thing the the single biggest downside is that the game's going to be on hiatus for almost 2 years that is yeah so long i'd say that that's way too long and it's it's way too long as in it's longer than you'd want it to be but it's not way too long because there's no way you can launch it at gen con next year right that no <laughs> they just don't have the time to the product development cycle does not work like that <laughs> no you would end up with a bad product if they they tried to you know, hack it out by then. I mean, I, I, I do hope at Gen Con next year we'll have information about it. They'll be starting to, you know, try to build some excitement. But no, yeah, they there's no way they could have actual physical product at that point in time. Yes. You can sit there and, and, and we can pretend that, that some L5R announcement at the in-flight report will draw as big a cheer as whatever the latest wave of X-Wing miniatures is. Mm. But I don't know how much L5R they're really going to announce next year beyond the living card game but like i said earlier I, I think we will see more l5r come from fantasy flight but i i think that 
once we get past this hiatus, which is going to be painful, yes, we are going to probably end up with a game that is just as good, if not better, than what we have now because they are freed from the shackles of the past. Mm-hmm. Not that they just are going to ignore the past, but that they can eliminate things like the like you mentioned there. I, I would. Now that you mention it, I would kind of be surprised if we end up with a randomized resource system because nobody does that anymore. Nope. Nobody does that anymore. What's another one I think we're going to have? One of the big discussions is about faction bleeding. There's absolutely going to be faction bleeding. Oh, there has to be. The LCG, there just aren't enough cards to not have bleeding between factions. In in my mind, the only question is what format are they going to do the faction bleeding in? They're yeah. going to do some sort of faction bleeding. But I, I think I think when we look at the game itself, we are going to have an awesome game that launches in in August of 2017. I think it's going to be launched by a company that has massive resources to promote it, to support mm-hmm. it, to... I, I mean, as far as I'm aware, for example, Fantasy Flight has good relationships with retailers... I have no idea what exactly is going on because I'm not involved in this side of it, but I know that AEG has not made retailers happy in a number of ways with how L5R was handled. I don't think that's going to happen with Fantasy Flight. So I think that all is going to... That side of it is, I think, going to be great once we have to you know, go through the wilderness to get to it. What we're going to have to look for is, is there going to be story? I mean, it would be it would be fantastic if Fantasy was like, guess what? Weekly fictions are back, guys! Hooray! I don't think that's going to happen, but it would be sad if if there's not some story there. I, it's not quite L5R if there isn't some of that. It's not quite L5R if there aren't interactive storyline elements to it. I expect those to be reduced instead of, you know, 17 prizes for everything mm-hmm. that nobody can even keep track of. Right, I mean that's right. We've we've been doing this again this year with the new story team coming in. Just the lists of lists and lists and lists of prizes that never got right. fulfilled. This resolves these thirty-two story points. Yeah, some of them from like three or four years ago. Yeah. So just a lot, a lot of stuff that has has fallen by the the wayside. So I don't know what Fantasy Flight's going to end up doing with that. I can't. I I think that they are going to do some of that because. That's really a central part of L5R, but I think that the game part is is going to be great. I think we will see more things, uh, more games outside of L5R, the card game, that are set in L5R. I think that we will see a relaunch of the RPG. Yeah. And that's its whole other right. I mean, subject. That, that, that I'm excited for. It, I mean, that's one that will be very interesting. I, I mean... Fantasy Flight does a lot of RPGs. They do them well. I would be shocked not to see an L5R RPG at Gen Con 2018. <laughs> That's a long but, time, man. Yeah, but what I what will be interesting to me is will they keep the roll and keep system of the current L5R RPG, or will they go more the specialized dice like the, most of their RPGs do now? The number one, absolute number one, I think I would say about a Fantasy Flight relaunch of L5R is that it will be crunchier than L5R 4th Edition was. L5R 4th Edition made a very deliberate effort to minimize crunch, mm-hmm. to not just have books that were piles and piles of alternate schools and new basic schools and advanced schools and, and you know, different paths and all that stuff. And... One of the uh, how how does this work on a practical level? Again, I don't know. I'm not sitting behind looking at anybody's books, but that can potentially have sales problems because what you want to do is every time you put out a book, you want to have something in that book that covers as much people as possible. Right. You you want everyone at the table to want to get their own copy. You don't just want it. Oh, one person. Maybe we'll get the copy. For example, since I've I've said this before, my when I read these Star Wars RPG books, mm-hmm. when I look at the core book, it's like there's eight species in this core book. What? I, I I remember back I remember back in the day when my Star Wars RPG books had seventeen. My literally. West End games. 
I'm not even thinking West End. I actually never. I actually don't like that not system. Going that far back, you're going to the D21. But the, yeah, the Watsy one. I think I, it's because I looked this up when I, I wanted to. When I first did a review for one of the Fantasy Flight core books, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't just making things up in my head. And so I think 17 was the number of in the, their last core book. I think it was 17. I, I could be misrecalling at this point, but. And then, right, you'll, you'll notice that every time Fantasy Flight puts out a book, it's got, I think, three new species in it. Mm-hmm. That's not a coincidence. No. Right? No, it is not. They took something that in the past might have been done in the core book, and they put it in a supplement to give people more of a reason to buy a supplement. And that is not something specifically that Fantasy Flight does that other people don't. I just... I would then lay money that if the L5R RPG comes back you will see something similar to that where they are going to make sure that there is crunch in books because you know, and now that that's not a big deal i i kind of wish there was more crunch i like a little bit of that in the uh the i mean i, I understand you could have things like art of the duel that have lots of bad crunch in them but mm-hmm. that's it's kind of a different thing uh, roland keeper says i i don't know is it what would you want it to be would you rather Roll and keep is a flawed system from a quote unquote objective standpoint. Right. I mean, at least a very, at least a very swingy results. But that is how L5R does stuff. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised to see them keep that, and I'd be okay with that. But I also wouldn't be surprised to see them do the L5R RPG. It's another variation of their, like you say, the specialty dice. Because yes, they want you to buy their specialty mm-hmm. dice probably two sets of them, because that's how many you have to buy for Star Wars. Right, and I mean, that is that's very much a question I have about the RPG that I don't know what I think the answer is. I'm not even sure what I want the answer to be Yeah. for that. You've got something similar, actually, a little bit to roll and keep in that. Not that it's not tied to the specialty dice, but the Fantasy Flight Star Wars system has an element where you've got overall attribute and then a skill and your role is based on both of those. Now, for roll and keep, right, you add that together, you roll that many dice, and then you keep uh, the, the attribute. A, yeah. For Fantasy Flight, it actually does not matter which one is which one is the one that's higher. You roll as many dice as the higher of those two numbers, and then a number of dice equal to the smaller number are the better dice. Mm-hmm. So you, you've got a similar sort of, of thing. Which which way do you do you go with that? But so you could transfer that concept, that attribute skill concept over from L5R to Fantasy Flight pretty easily. There's a very strong argument for getting rid of big, huge, chunky things like techniques that you know have big, huge jumps in power level at one particular point. That's another. If you're thinking in terms of modern design. That's one thing that we have, I think, seen more and more of with RPGs, either going away from levels entirely or making sure that the bonuses that you get as you level up are spread out across the levels rather than having a big, huge power jump at one particular point. Mm-hmm. Let's see, for the CCG design, the resource thing, there's going to be faction bleeding thing, and, and I think part of that is that we will see... I believe we will see faction aligned, not personalities. Like I, somebody on the board is like, well, probably yeah. You don't need to do faction bleeding or target to faction bleeding because you know all the strategies and things are are neutral anyway. And I'm like, well, they are in now, but I think if you're designing L5R from scratch, that's not the case anymore. No, yeah, I mean, especially, I mean, it again, it comes back to my earlier question of how exactly do they implement the faction bleeding? But yeah, I, I definitely would expect that you'll see a lot more. This is a lion strategy. Only lion know how to use it unless you're pulling over from them. Or yeah. this is a phoenix secret spell, so literally only the phoenix can use it. It's impossible for anyone else to have it. And that's what they usually have in their games. There's relatively easy bleeding, but then there are some things that specifically say only Loyal, this faction can yeah. use it. I think, like, in a Game of Thrones, I think literally, like, the loyal keyword, right, means mm-hmm. that you have to be playing that. Right, you have to be playing that as your faction. So, yeah, with Game of Thrones, you have the faction, and then you have the agenda, and in the base game, all but one of the agendas are 
you can pull in people from a different faction, but if the person says loyal, you can't pull them in unless that's your main faction. Yeah, and so there's, let's see, so the bleeding for Game of Thrones, they have, it's right, it's banners, so yeah, yeah you, you get to pull in from another faction, but you also can't just, you only pull in from one other faction, mm-hmm. and you can't just pull in one or two cards, you have to pull over eight or a chunk or, or, chunk 12, or something like that. Yeah. For Warhammer 40k, you, except for the Tyranids, there's a wheel, and so your faction is has two adjacent factions, and you've got a core part of your deck that, like, eight cards that's defined by your starting Warlord, and and then you can pull at will from the factions to your left and right, but absolutely nothing whatsoever from any other faction. And in all of these games, there obviously are reasons to pull from other factions, but there's also always incentives built in there not to. You know, yeah. that there are things that you're in, I don't know, squad about Game of Thrones, but like in even in, in 40, in Conquest, right, if you have a, a warlord that generates lots of orc tokens, and then you've mm-hmm. got a bunch of orc cards that are based on orc tokens, well, y- yeah, you can throw Imperial Guard or whatever it is into that deck, but they're not going to synergize, so you, you know, you kind of have to go with best cards of different sorts versus synergy versus, you know, depending on how they... Yeah, I mean, Game of Thrones has that too, where there's a lot of cards that's like, target a person of this faction, or pay one gold, reduce the cost by one when playing a card of this faction. But then it also has... So again, you you have your faction and you have an agenda that that's how you're able to bring in other factions. Well, there's one, there is one agenda that is n- not... There's basically, if you stay pure and loyal, gives you a benefit for staying to the one faction. And beyond that, I don't know, let's see, what else are people talking about? How many clans do you keep? Mm. How many win conditions do you keep? To me, one of the biggest things is I would not be the least bit surprised if they retool how honor and dishonor work. If they don't retool honor versus dishonor, there's something wrong. Yes. They may just go to a hard split where you just have a more control political thing. Mm-hmm. I do kind of feel like you should still have the note right the notion of honor baked into the game in some way. That's too important to the not just L five R as a specific setting, but also the whole samurai thing. You know, honor right. and shido and all that. But go back, go back, 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 back to when dishonor was not a win condition; it was a lose condition. It was a deck building restriction. For the right. most part. It was, it was, we give you these awesome Odi, but if you put too many of them out, you're going to kill yourself. Right, and that that's really the problem, is that they're tugging back and forth on the same thing. Yeah. But, yeah, they, they again, because they're starting from scratch, or as much from scratch as they want to, they can just implement something new. They don't have to work it out with existing cards or existing mechanics. But I think you will, I think you'll still see an honor victory. Oh, I'm, I am sure you'll st- still see an honor victory. What I'm saying is, what'll be interesting is to see, will they leave the honor victory intact and change how the dishonor works, or will they change both of them? I think the question is just how much dishonor changes. Right. Is it still there a completely different? Or you could just kind of get rid of it, or a dishonor deck could just be like a form of control. Not Again, you don't win by dropping somebody to something and have a quote-unquote dishonor victory, you right. just control their characters by having them be dishonorable. Or Versus having it that I'm envisioning by changing both, you're like, you have a politics victory, and so that's both gaining, improving my honor, but also shaming you is the same thing of gaining politics in some way. I don't know. They're smarter than I am. I'm sure they'll come up with something, but... That is definitely an area where they need to make some sort of change. Yeah, we're we're hamstrung by the fact that we're not sitting down and actually designing what we would want it to be. We're speculating on what they might do, and really, exactly. we have no clue. Exactly. I can say what I would do with it, but yeah. Factions? Of course, that's the big thing, right? Right now, we have nine factions in L5R. Yep. That is more factions, I believe, than any of their LCGs sustains. However, it's not that many more. Game of Thrones just launched with eight. Yes. Warhammer 40k Conquest launched with seven. 
and then added an eighth in with the first deluxe. Right. And aren't they adding another one at some point? Um, I don't follow it well enough either, but I was under the impression that they were adding a second faction to go to nine. Space That's zombies or something? Maybe. Yeah, well, because the, the thing with adding the factions is, right, the, the Tyranids work differently than everyone else for the right. allying factions, so you could just they're just outside the wheel. I don't know. I, we could probably go look on the, uh, you know, Google on the internet. But... But but yeah, that's also there's also a difference between what you have at launch and what you have later on. Android is now having wait, isn't the deluxe expansion that just came out? I think it just came out. It's got three. It's got mini factions. Right. Uh, it's a natural runner. It's a AI runner. It's a you know. So there's a lot more things you can do. Right. I mean that. That could very much be a thing with L5R that they they launch it with let's arbitrarily say six factions and then they bring the other three that we currently have in in a deluxe expansion six months down the line and then after it's been around for a couple years they're like okay now we're gonna do these little mini factions like you said they're doing with the Netrunner of oh let's bring back Tatori's army or monks or ratlings or whatever other little mini-factions that they get a little bit of attention, but not full. And the deluxe expansions are a good way to do that, and because it's, just because of the format, and because time will have passed and whatnot, part of the things that hamstrings AEG doing that is the whole expectation of equality. Right. Like, you can't do mini-factions, and the rotation, the cycle is longer. There is rotation in the LCGs, but it's longer. Mm-hmm. And the deluxe expansions don't rotate, and those are going to where you're going to tend to see the core elements of a new faction or mini faction introduced. So with the story, some people seem to be talking about them rebooting the story and like just let's do the first day of th- let's do the not first, but let's do the second, second day, day of thunder, thunder again. over again. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. No. And I think there are even things in the fantasy flight announcement that talk about the colonies and. Right, they definitely mention the colonies. I mean, yes, it will be interesting. I presume they'll almost assuredly do a time jump just to, you know, get some separation, get some distance, let them lock in a base level again. I don't think I'd presume that, but... Mm. I could, okay, but go ahead. I could easily be wrong. It could be that they just keep going with it. It definitely does bring up the question, what of Onyx? Are they going to keep the Onyx story? Are they going to just trash it and do their own thing? Well, I think it's actually in a reasonable place there. Mm-hmm. Right, We have the storyline basically mapped out. We know there's going to be cards. We know what's going to happen. Right? We know the Mantis are going to be destroyed. We know Kempeki and the hordes of Jigoku are going to take over the Empire. That's really as far as we've got. Right. It seems like the prior brand manager's plan was to kind of have this be a back-to-the-basics, let's-do-similar kind of concepts to the second day of Thunder. You know, the Mantis are going to be destroyed, so they can basically replay the building a clan storyline. It's going to be the clans united against this big evil threat. Now, on the other hand, you Dave came in. Dave definitely wanted interfaction conflict. Dave talked about doing a time jump. Right, this time jump, it's sort of casually dropped on the spider boards. Oh, yeah, I think we're mm-hmm. going to do a time jump. Yeah. At that point, it seemed like AEG didn't know what the nature of the time was going to be, what was going to happen. It was just that Dave wanted more time for the Spider Clan to have an effect on Roku again. Mm-hmm. But we haven't gotten there. And even if through Onyx, that wouldn't have happened. That would have been something that happened after Onyx edition. So that, you know, you can do that, but it's not in there. So you potentially could have a. a place where if Fantasy Flight wanted to, they could basically start from Onyx and say, okay, here is Rokugan. Rokugan has been taken over by, you know, the forces of evil, and the clans are now going to fight back against them. Right. That's pretty standard. I don't know if you were sitting down, if you're sitting down in a vacuum, that's probably not what you'd want to do. You'd want to have some base level understanding of the setting with a, an evil guy build up instead of starting with the evil guy kind of in charge before you you know blow things up but you could do that because i think that i guess maybe just cuz we're in here it seems like it would be very weird for them to just say well onyx doesn't happen evil portents the story up through evil portents happens 
but Kanpeki and the Spider don't actually take over. Jigoku, the whole merger with Jigoku doesn't actually happen. Right, they just faceplant. They try and fail, and yeah. And you could do that. You could also have something like they take over, and then there's a time jump, and they're defeated, but now the Empire is in ruins, and, and you're rebuilding. There's all sorts of things, but we may end up focusing more on the story than it ends up mattering. Exactly what kind of story they need depends on what level of story they're going to do. Right. Assuming that there's going to be a more substantive story than, like, say, Netrunner gets. Right, because other ones don't have... A Game of Thrones doesn't have any story. Not directly. Like, the story already happened in some in a book that was released years and years and years ago. Mm-hmm. And you're it just... 30 years ago. To fix, yeah, to, I blanked on exactly how long it had been since... uh like 15, right? 15 was actually a number that was in my head, but I wasn't sure. So... No, it's almost 20. A Game of Thrones, 96. Wow. Yeah. I guess there's a reason why it's always a, a running joke how long it takes mm-hmm. to get the book. So who knows what's going to happen with that. But let's say that you stick with something like the existing story. The Mantis get wiped out, and the Spider basically ceased to exist as a normal clan. Right? That was the plan going into this from what I can tell was this right, Kenpeki goes full Jigoku they take over the Empire and the Spider Clan as we know it ceases to exist whenever Kenpeki's reign ends the bad guys are back to being the Shadowlands right? and that was then offered up as one option to the Spider players and that was the one they took so especially because that was one of the again I don't know if I'll have this episode or not it feels weird like the we, we probably would have in a few days recorded an L5R episode where we did things like talked about the path choices and talked about what we learned at Gen Con. And I, it feels very weird to do that now when God only Everything's knows. Everything's changed, yeah. Going but yeah, that was one of the things that, that there seemed to be a delivery of information to people at Gen Con and then some follow-up posts that were more emphasizing the, no, one path one. Yeah. And, and which, again, based on what it said before, and this is right this failure to communicate what the heck is going on with their plans is another thing that I have been frustrated with this year. But whereas before it had presented as more of a, oh, well, well, two things are almost equal. It will be more the one and the other. But I, anyhow, but that's what the plurality choice was amongst the spider players was the full on embrace the darkness. So you could do something like have a base set launch that has seven factions. Mm-hmm. the original seven great clans because the mantis have been destroyed and then you can add the mantis back in later if you want to either as a full you know as a full faction or whatever form through a later deluxe expansion we know they know how to do that and the spider would probably not be the spider anymore they would just be the shadowlands they would be the evil overlord faction they could even literally have something like 40k conquest does where like the tyranids they're kind of off on their own with how they work with faction bleeding that wouldn't yeah. be the same as conquest where just tyranids are no there's no faction bleeding with the tyranids it would just be a different one and that would be how corruption would work right you want to toss in some corrupt cards like the old school rules zero you're pure one to three you're tainted four plus you're corrupt i guess i would think that sort of thing but that really only matters if there's a, like, quote-unquote storyline consequences for it. And I don't know if there's going to be that level of storyline interactivity and that kind of nuance to it. So if no one cares and it doesn't matter, then it would just sort of be like all the good Shadowlands card get played in every deck, which you don't want to happen from a design perspective. Well, I mean, you could if you really wanted to have some sort of mechanic where that is that actually is a mechanic of pure, tainted, corrupt... And it and somehow has some sort of effect on your trigger. deck. Yeah. Uh, but then you'd have to, basically, when you in advance, you tell your opponent, I am corrupt, so these things apply to the game. That's a really cool concept, but it seems hard to, to so do for a tournament well. format. Yeah. Especially sure. since you, I mean, you, you also, as much as it would be nice to act like, well, we would just never do that, there's also the potential integrity issues with that, where... Does your opponent actually accurately represent what the corruption level in their deck is sure. at the beginning of a game? Uh, yeah, I think you could do something with that, whether you should, whether it would be any good, I don't know, but I definitely think that there is some room to, to tinker with that in some way. 
Oh, dueling is going to be gone, by the way. Gone. I disagree simply that I I don't think dueling is going to be gone, gone. I think it's going to be like the flavor stuff. Like, no, yes, the, there, there will be something you, in the game that reflects that things are duels. But right. dueling as we know it will be gone. It's a very iconic, flavorful thing. I actually even know how flavorful it is. But it, it's a very iconic thing, but it's also very clunky. And they've just been trying over and over and over again to figure out exactly right. how to make it work. They're too powerful, or they're not powerful enough. If you I try to make lots of duels, then it's a very involved mechanic to do duels. The fact that people think that, that they should be able to win your duels, right? That's like I said, nobody ever thinks that when you pull out a bow and range attack their personality in the face, there should be some chance that they deflect the arrow and it hits your guy instead. But people actually do want that with duels, like because there's right. this contest. So either there's a real chance the other side win, which makes the duel useless, or there's not really any chance that the other side wins, even though there's this content contest, which makes people grumpy. So, mm. anyhow. I don't know, do we have any other of our completely useless speculation to add to this? Does it mean need to come back? <laughs> I think that's about it, though. Pretty sure that's not going to happen at launch, man. No, no, definitely not launch. But I mean, seriously, if they do actually do the like Netrunner in like two years, have the <laughs> large box that has new factions, I want Rattling in there. <laughs> that's that's all I'm saying. I'm not. No. Return to yesterday. Yesterday, deluxe expansion, fall 2019. The yep. Rattlings are back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so. Lots of flux, lots of uncertainty. I think we're going to end up with an awesome thing at Gen Con 2017, and I don't know what I'm going to do with something to do with myself at Gen Con 2016 now. That's not mm-hmm. true. I, I would say I don't know what I'm going to do with myself without big L5R storyline tournament to play, but I can. that's always a perpetual problem. Is There's so many other things in, yes, that I can't do exactly. because of the storyline tournament, so it, it'll be I don't know what I'm going to do only because I have so many options. Yeah. I don't know which to pick. <laughs> yeah, I, I have this whole day, day and a half, two days, whatever that's that's free. Since I, I some time ago dropped the whole, no, I go to Gen Con and all I do is L5R. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure that there will be a L5R gathering. Oh, I've already seen people talking about fan gatherings, if nothing else. I think there will be L5R tournaments. Mm-hmm. But more importantly... I guess to me, more importantly, I think that there will be fan get-together things. Like, now, this will be our time. Now that the game is on hiatus, that will be the year where we have the Strange the strange Assembly get-together. <laughs> Come now that L5R isn't here anymore! And no, what? Where are... There's nobody here. I don't understand. It'll just be you and me having drinks at Rock Bottom. Rock Bottom does work out pretty well. Good stuff. I know they're not Gen Con themed, but whatever. What's the name of the place that's always got like privateer press redecorates it for the, like that place is always just slammed. Yeah. And I'm blanking on the name, but I know what you're talking about. I don't remember either, unfortunately. So big giant thing. I think we'll end up with an awesome game. I hope that we will end up with as much story and storyline interactivity as possible. Agreed. And I hope that we will be able to talk to people in Fantasy Flight about L5R in the way that we're able to talk to people at AEG, because would, I don't know these people no, <laughs> the yeah, same that, way. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, uh, that's one of the biggest things. Is Again, I've been playing this for 15 years. I know a lot of the people that work on the game. I don't really know anybody in Fantasy Flight. So that's going to be weird to go over to play L5R and not hang out at, at Gen Con and not be able to hang out with the brand insider. Yeah, I've <laughs> interacted with folks at Fantasy Flight, but yeah, it's not the same sort of thing no. where like I've had, you know, I've gone to lunch with people and talked to some, like the number of hours that like Fred and I have racked up is kind mm-hmm. of... Uh, Your wife is jealous. <laughs> but I guess that is it for FFG loves L5R. You've been listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at strangeassembly.com. 
you can subscribe to the podcast there or on iTunes or Stitcher. You can find us at the usual social media places. We are at Strange Assembly on Twitter and we're Facebook.com slash Strange Assembly. I always like to hear from you. You can reach me at email chris at strangeassembly.com. But until then, for Jay Earl, I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming. Squeak!